Hello and welcome to this message from Calvary Albuquerque. We're excited to hear from our special guest speaker, Franklin Graham. Franklin is the president and CEO of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and Samaritan's Purse. He also oversees Operation Christmas Child, a program that has distributed over 100 million shoebox gifts to children around the world who need to see the love of Christ. We pray that this message strengthens your relationship with the Lord. If it does, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at mystory@calvaryabq.org. And if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can give online securely at calvaryabq.org. give Now we invite you to open your Bible as Franklin begins. Thank you. Thank you. It's so good to be back in Albuquerque to be here at Calvary. How many of you are glad the election is over? You know, there's uh, usually after an election, there's three types of or groups of people. You have the, the group that's glad. Uh, you got the other group that is sad. And then there's another group that's just plain mad, okay? So uh, just I'm just glad it's behind us. Uh, boy, what a... You know, it used to be a year, and now it's, you know, it's like a two-year process, and uh, it's, it's just crazy. But this year, um, I had a chance to go to all 50 state capitals uh, to ask people to join me to pray. Um, our country, uh, even though the election is over, our country is still in trouble. Uh, you know, we're in trouble politically. Uh, we're in trouble morally. We're in trouble economically. We're in trouble spiritually. Uh, we're in trouble racially. Uh, our nation is in trouble. And we need to pray for our country. Now, uh, President Obama is still our president. We need to pray for him. Uh, next few weeks, uh, President-elect Trump will take over the reins. We need to pray for him. And uh, regardless of who is in office, whether we vote for them or whether we didn't vote for them, at this point, that's not the issue. We need to pray. Uh, pray that God would guide them and direct them in the decisions that they make that affect our lives uh, and the future of our nation. So uh, two years ago, God just laid it on my heart to go to the, the capitals to pray. Uh, not just to pray for our country, but to pray for that state, to pray for the leadership of that state. And so we had to pull our permits two years ago. So our team went to all the state capitals to pull the permits. And they asked you, how many people do you think will show up? Because that depends on how many police they have and that sort of thing. Well, it was a, our meetings were at noon on a weekday. Um, I figured not many people will come. People are working. They, they, they can't get off. And plus there's not much parking. And uh, downtown around the capital, many places. So we said, well, the largest crowd we think we might have would be 500. I thought if 200 people showed up, we'd have a pretty good crowd. January 5th was our first city, Des Moines, Iowa. It was 16 degrees. The wind was blowing. Oh, boy. Um, it had snowed, so there was snow on the ground. It was a clear day, but it had snowed a few days earlier. And Hallie Jackson, who worked for NBC, she interviewed me and she said, Reverend Graham, do you think anybody will come? Well, I thought, I hope somebody shows up. I've got some staff here. Maybe they come. Um, 
But I thought, you know, again, you know, if a hundred people show up on a cold day like this, and I remember when the bus pulled up to the Capitol, uh, there were several thousand people standing there. They didn't come to hear me. They came to their capital to pray. And as we crisscrossed this country, capital to capital, capital, snow, rain, heat, people came by the thousands to pray because they knew our country was in trouble and they came to pray. We were in uh, Jefferson City, Missouri. Now, again, this is not a big city. And uh, it had rained for three days, and it poured rain the day we showed up, right? And so when I get there, I think, nobody's going to be out here in this rain. Because, I mean, it's, it's not just, it's not a drizzle, it's a rain. And so I remember the bus pulled up. There were over 3,000 people standing in the rain. Many of them didn't have umbrellas. They're standing there just getting soaking wet. So when I got up to speak and to, to lead in our prayer, uh, somebody said, well, frankly, we'll hold an umbrella over you. I said, don't you hold an umbrella over me. Uh, half the people out here don't have umbrellas, and they're just going to get wet, and I'm going to stand here, and I'll just get wet. So we prayed, had a tremendous meeting. Uh, on the way back to the airport, we were passing a truck stop that had a McDonald's. I said, let's pull in there and get us a quarter pound of cheese. So we pull into McDonald's, and here comes this lady on a walker. She said, you're Franklin Graham, aren't you? Well, I wasn't sure if I should admit it or not, but I said, well, yes, ma'am. She said, I was there, and she was wet. She said, my son kept saying, Mama, we got to go. You got to go sit down, Mama. You can't stand out here in the rain. I told him, back off. I came here to pray, and that's what I'm going to do. And she said, Reverend Graham, I stood there, and I prayed with everybody else. And then she went and sat down and ate her hamburger. But... uh All across the country, people prayed. And uh, every state capital was different. But one thing that was the same, people came to pray. Now, let me say something about prayer. God hears prayer, okay? God answers prayer. Um, We need to continue to pray for this country because we are still in great trouble. So... Um, I want to say thank you for everybody who packs an Operation Christmas Child uh, shoebox. Every box is different. They're like snowflakes. I've never seen two boxes, you know, the same. And I just want to say thank you because every box gives us an opportunity uh, to reach a child uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I ask people when you pack a box, pray. For the child who's going to get the box, put your picture in the box, because I want the kid who gets the box to see who gave the box, and put your address. Maybe the kid can write you back. And so we know God hears the prayer of one righteous person, right? This year, we'll collect about 12 million boxes. Can you imagine 12 million people praying for children what God might do? It's incredible to think that there's people around the world praying for children. And in the next few weeks, children will begin to receive gifts. And as they open their gifts and and the excitement and the joy and the thrill of what's inside my box, knowing that that box comes with prayer, praying for that child will come to know Jesus Christ. We give the boxes through churches. We receive them through churches like here at Calvary, and then we distribute them through churches around the world. So if a pastor of a little church in the Philippines gets a 100 boxes, 
He invites a hundred kids to come, and we're going to have a Christmas program. And when you come to the Christmas program, we're going to give you a gift. Well, what do you think? You think kids are going to come? Of course they come. They're going to get a gift. Well, they come, and the children hear the gospel. They hear the true meaning of Christmas, that God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shouldn't perish, but should have everlasting life. Every child we present the gospel to. And then we don't stop with that. We have a discipleship program that we offer through the churches that support Operation Christmas Child. This past year, we had three and a half million children in a 12-week discipleship course. Learning Scripture, learning the Bible, learning Old and New Testament passages. You see, I want to raise up an army of kids who know how to share their faith. My father once was asked, well, who will be the next Billy Graham? He said, I have no clue. I thought to myself, I want to raise up an army of Billy Grahams. Little kids who know how to share their faith, because if a kid is a soul winner when he's five, six, seven, eight years of age, they'll be a soul winner for the rest of their life. And so we want to raise up an army of children who know how to share their faith. So I want to say thank you to everyone who packed a box. Uh, for everyone who's prayed for one of these children, I just want to say thank you. We couldn't do it um, without without you. And um, this church was one of the first churches. They, I think, is actually the second church to help Operation Christmas Child. And so thank you for doing that. Thank you for being a part of all these years. This, this morning, um, you may have come with a friend... And it may be your first time here to the church. Um, I don't know. But if you're here today, and for whatever reason, um, you're not sure who Jesus Christ is. Uh, you've heard about him, you've, but you don't know much about him. But I want to say to you today, God loves you. Okay, if you don't remember anything else, remember this. God loves you. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, from heaven to this earth to take our sins. Jesus Christ came to this earth to take your sins, my sins. And the Bible says that we have all sinned, we've all come short of God's glory, that the wages of sin is death. That's the penalty for breaking God's law, His standard. You see, sin is a disease of the human soul. And it's infected the entire human race. We were born into sin. We're all guilty of sin. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ came from heaven to this earth on a rescue mission to save us from our sins. He took our sins. He went to the cross. He died and shed his blood on the cross for our sins. He was buried for our sins. And on the third day, God raised his son to life. And I want to look at a passage of Scripture this morning. And it's one of the most beautiful stories, I think, in the Bible. And it's, it's a love story. And it's a picture of God's love for us. But it's Second Samuel. David is now king. Saul had been king before him. Saul had a son by the name of Jonathan. Jonathan and David were the closest of friends. Um, Saul wanted 
Jonathan to be king, but God rejected Saul, rejected his family because of disobedience, because of sin, and he anointed David. But David and Jonathan were friends. They loved one another. They would have died for each other. And now Saul is dead. Jonathan is dead. They died in battle with the Philistines. And after this, David begins to consolidate his power, uh, becomes the king of Judah, then all of Israel. Then he begins to fight uh, the enemies of God, uh, the Amorites, the Amalekites, the Philistines. And then uh, he takes the city of uh, Jerusalem from the Jebusites and uh, called the city of David. Now, Jerusalem was defended by the Jebusites, and they taunted David. They said, even the lame and the blind can defend this city against you. And he hated the Jebusites. And he despised the, the lame and the blind because he was taunted by these Jebusites. Now he has taken Jerusalem, and he's building his palace, and there's a time of period of peace. And he's beginning to reflect about his friend Jonathan. So now I want to read this beautiful story. Chapter 9 of Second Samuel, and I'll start in verse 1. So Second Samuel 9, verse 1. Now David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul, whose name was Ziba. So when they called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, at your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he's in the house of Meshir, the son of Amil in Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Meshir, the son of Amil from Lodibar. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Don't fear. I will surely show you kindness. For Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and he said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him. You shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. And Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded, his servants will do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a younger son whose name was Micah. 
And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants to Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. Now, David is wanting to show kindness to someone in the house of Saul, anybody, for this namesake of his good friend Jonathan. You know, the Old Testament and throughout the Scripture, we have pictures, okay? Well, this is a beautiful story, but it's also a picture. And I want us to maybe kind of paint this picture here for a minute and look at it. You see, God wants to show kindness to you for the sake of His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, sin cripples us. It cripples our walk. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. There's a penalty to pay for sin. Spiritual and physical death. But God is wanting to show kindness to us. He's wanting to forgive sin. He's wanting to cleanse us. He wants to restore us if we'll let him. So here's Mephibosheth. Now, he's the grandson of the former king. In Oriental times, uh, the king who was now reigning would normally destroy any members of the previous king's family because one of them could be a threat to the throne. They could lead a rebellion. And so the normal thing was you just killed everybody who was a threat to you. But David wants to show kindness to someone from the house of Saul. Remember, Saul was an enemy of David, tried to kill David, tried to destroy David. And David is wanting to show kindness. God is wanting to show kindness to you and to me. And so Ziba comes in. Now, Ziba, he's not a good guy. He betrays the hiding place of Mephibosheth because... He's probably thinking, good, the king will get rid of Mephibosheth, and then I'll get the land, and he will elevate me. Mephibosheth comes before the king. He's scared. He knows that his life could come to an end. And he falls on his face, and he's prostrate. And David says, Mephibosheth, is that you? Remember, the boy's crippled. God hates sin. And this crippled boy couldn't do a thing except fall on his face in front of the king. But you think the king noticed those crippled feet? I don't think so. Mephibosheth? Wow. That's Jonathan's boy. Look, he's got the same dimple Jonathan had. Look, his hair is the, is the same color. Wow, he's got the same smile. I don't think he ever noticed those crippled feet. And then he restores everything to Mephibosheth. You see, Mephibosheth expected to be killed. He expected to be judged. He was a threat to the king. But you see, David wanted to show kindness for the sake of Jonathan. 
And so when Mephibosheth comes in before the king, David restores everything to Mephibosheth. All of his grandfather's land, property, homes, everything, he restored all of that to Mephibosheth. Gave it to him. And Ziba, who thought he was going to end up with everything, guess what, Ziba, you're going to work for Mephibosheth. How do you like that? You and your sons and your servants are going to serve Mephibosheth, but Mephibosheth, you're going to eat at my table. And you're going to be like one of my sons. Wow, what a picture. Isn't this beautiful? God loves you. Don't remember anything else today. You remember this. God loves you. Sin cripples us. And we're all guilty of it. Franklin Graham is a sinner. I was 22 years old when I asked God to forgive me of my sins. And I asked Jesus Christ to come into my, my heart. I had no clue what plan God had for my life. All I knew is my, my life was a wreck. And maybe you're here today and your life is in a wreck. Mine was. And I finally just said, God, if you can take the pieces of my life and put it together and make sense out of it, I give it to you. And I want to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. I believe that He took my sins and He died in my place on the cross. And I want to invite Him to come into my heart and to live and to reign inside of my life. And that day I gave God my life. I invited Jesus Christ to come in to be my Lord. I trusted Him as my Savior. And I want you to do that today. God's got a plan for your life. He wants to restore you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to set you free. But you see, sin cripples us. Maybe you've been in church and maybe you made a decision for Christ a long time ago, but sin has kind of crept back into your life and it's crippled your walk. You need to come today and ask God to forgive you. You need to come in repentance today. My question to you this morning, are your sins forgiven? You say, Franklin, I hope so. <laughs> I'm not talking about hope and nothing. I want to ask you a question, are you sure? Do you know it? Are you confident? Are your sins forgiven? If you're not sure, you can be sure this morning. God loves you. God, God's got a plan for your life. He wants to restore you. He wants to show you kindness for the sake of His Son, Jesus Christ. But you've got to be willing to accept it by faith. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Me. There's not two roads to heaven. There's not different ways, different paths. There's only one path, and that goes to the cross. Because Jesus Christ is the only one in history to take sin and to die for our sins. You see, when Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross, God in heaven poured upon His Son. All the sins past. He poured upon His Son. All the sins present. He poured upon His Son. All the sins future. That's you and me today. And Jesus Christ shed His blood and He died on that cross for you and me. God is wanting to show kindness to you today. He wants to forgive. He wants to restore you. He is inviting you to eat at His table. He's got some great things for you. But you've got to be willing to accept Jesus by faith. It's by faith. The Bible says by grace are we saved through faith. You can't work for your salvation. It's 
by God's grace through faith. If you're here this morning, if you have never invited Christ into your heart, or if you've allowed sin to come and creep back into your life and cripple you, then deal with it this morning. I want you to get up and come and stand here when we come. We'll have a word of prayer together. And today you can be forgiven of your sins and you can go back home knowing that your soul is safe and secure in the hands of Almighty God for eternity. God loves you. I promise you that. He's willing to forgive you. But you've got to come by faith and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Are your sins forgiven? Are you sure? If you're not sure, you make sure right now. Um, Just all stand together. And if you're here today and you'd like to invite Jesus Christ into your heart, into your life, I want you to just make your way to the aisle. Come stand here. And when we've come, we'll have a word of prayer together. And if you came with friends, they're going to wait on you. They're not going to leave you. But if you came with friends, they'll wait. You come right now. You're not coming to Franklin Graham. I can't save you. You're coming today to God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Will you do that this morning? Come on. We're going to wait for you. Come. Come to Jesus today. sure are you sure make sure right now come on come to jesus come to him today come 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 just as you are hear the spirit call won't you come just as you got uh, still got time I believe there's someone still at their seat and you need to be here you say but Frank it's kind of embarrassing coming in front of everybody when Jesus Christ hung naked on that cross don't you think that was embarrassing when he was falsely accused when they nailed him spat on him cursed him he did that because he loved you And he suffered death for you. He took the penalty of sin. He took your place. He took my place. Every person Jesus ever called, he called publicly. 
That's why I'm asking you to come take a stand for him publicly. He took a stand for you on that cross. You can take a stand for him today. God is willing to show you kindness. Wants to forgive you, wants to restore you, but you've got to come by faith, believing in his son. So do that right now, quickly, and uh, we'll wait just another minute. Anyone else? Come just as you are And hear the Spirit call Come just as you are Come and see Come and to say a word to those of you who have come by coming you're saying to God I'm a sinner you say but Franklin doesn't God know that yeah he knows that he just wants to hear you say it and by coming you're saying to God I'm sorry for my sins and I want to turn from my sins and by coming you're saying to God I believe that Jesus Christ is your son that he took my sins to the cross that you raised him to life And by coming today, you're saying to Jesus, I want to invite you to come into my heart, to heal me, to cleanse me. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now, okay? And a prayer is just simply talking to God like I'm talking to you. But um, I'll lead you in the prayer, so just repeat it out loud after me, okay? Let's pray. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for my sins, that you raised him to life. I want to invite him to come into my heart, to take control of my life. From this day forward, forever, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this special service from Calvary Albuquerque featuring our guest speaker, Franklin Graham. How did this message impact you? We'd love to know. Email us at mystory@calvaryabq.org. And just a reminder, you can give financially to this work at calvaryabq.org. Thank you for joining us for this teaching from Calvary Albuquerque.